Okay. All right. Whenever you're ready, go for it. Hey, this is Phil Williams, and you are listening to Jeff Smith on the Vroom Vroom Rear Show. Jeff Smith, is that really your name? That is really my name. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to hit stop, and we'll start the show. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Joe Snyder and Chris Brown, a bonus. We had two dudes on one show. Uh, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Beer and welcome both of you to the show. How's it going? Awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, great. Thanks for having us on. All right. I know you guys are crazy busy so uh, and you've only got 30 minutes left to play. So let's, let's get right into it. You guys are at... Uh, LannisterHoldings.com. Did I get that right? Yes, that's correct. Hey, hey Lannister Holdings, L- Lannister Holdings and Lannister Development. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, Joe, why don't you just go ahead and give us uh, your 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 um, grandma pitch to uh, what you got going on at LannisterHoldings.com? <laughs> <laughs> the, the grandma pitch. We are a um, we are a software development company right. that is focused on building um, tools with uh, next generation technologies, including blockchains. And uh, we're focused on the um, business vertical space as opposed to the, you know, kind of the cryptocurrency space. We're focused on how uh, how these kind of technologies impact things like insurance and finance and things like that. So I like it. Uh, we're having a great time. And we uh, we took Lannister public uh, in March. We did a reverse merger. And so we're publicly traded in the U.S. on the OTC market under the ticker symbol NBDR. NBDR. No big deal, really. Right. <laughs> no big, big deal, deal, right? right? No, no big, big deal, deal right? right? No big deal, right? No big deal, right? Okay, I like it. I like it, and that's a good way to remember <laughs> the ticker. Okay, so okay, so Chris, uh, why don't you just say hi and talk a little bit about um, what you do there at Lannister Holdings or Lannister Development, one or the other? Uh, yeah, I'm Chris Brown. I'm the CTO of Lannister Holdings and also Lannister Development. I am in charge of running the development teams and finding the technology pieces and defining uh, you know, uh, M&A uh, targets and, and exploring deals and giving technical overviews and basically being the, being the nerd of the executive team. I love it. The being, I love nerds. <laughs> I are a nerd, so it, thanks for thanks for bringing your uh, your talent to the fore and uh, maybe helping us old folks like me understand what the hell's going on with this funky thing called blockchain. Um, okay, so before we get into all of that, uh, let's tease a couple of things, right? So uh, later on, we're going to talk about how uh, Chris used to be in the Air Force and he was an enlisted guy and. Uh, he was a 3NO. So we're going to talk about that later. Not right now. I'm teasing things. This is a thing I do. <laughs> but first, let's talk a little bit about like just blockchains and uh, cryptocurrency and cryptography and what the hell's going on with all this stuff from a broad overview kind of thing. Um, who's best to talk about this? Maybe Joe start and then Chris, you can pipe in too. 
Yeah, I mean, I can I can start from the the aspect of looking at it from a a business person's perspective on on why we think it's an, an interesting thing and why we think it has such disruption capabilities, and that that right. really stems from our background in uh, investing and in real estate, uh, you know, finance, and and then you know, Chris and I built a risk management business for close to a decade, and so. Um, you know, we have this this viewpoint where you've got uh, a pretty decent experience history in in existing systems and existing contract and existing investment and and how um, burdensome some of those pieces are and how archaic some of the systems are that a lot of these things that we um, use and and tools that we rely on um, for our investments for our um, you know for our real estate transactions for right. our risk management transactions are just built on really archaic systems and, and technologies and have a lot of middlemen built into the systems. Yeah. And so uh, a, I just went through that. <laughs> yeah. Right. I just sold and the so house. From a so. Per- yeah. So you just went way through that. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of middle, there's a lot of middlemen. Oh my God. In that oh my God. <laughs> and every, and they right? all have their hand out too. And they all have their hand out or, and their toe in, right? Yes. And so, you know, that, that reality uh, is, is really the driving force behind my belief in blockchain as a core technology and as the future of Web 3.0 and, 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 and mm. all of those things that we are founded on. Um, and we see that disruption. You know, yes, cryptocurrency is a use case on blockchain, and it, it, and it is the way that blockchain got through its test phases and its scaling phases and all these kinds of cool things that a technology right. needs in order to relevant in in the in in viable right um but what we see is the next generation of that where you have programs and 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 apps and things being built that are built for blockchain because they are better on blockchain not just an iteration of something that already exists somewhere else being put into blockchain okay and also where you have a lot of disruption around logistics and infrastructure and healthcare and insurance and fintech where these uh, smart contracts and these the distributed ledgers really come in and, and create a better way to do these things with lower costs and less risk, et cetera, et cetera. With all right. that being said, Chris, Chris has a more technical perspective on sure, it. Sure, sure, sure. I get it. Go ahead, Chris. Sure. How did, what does uh, the nerd think about it? <laughs> <laughs> An interesting opportunity to play with interesting stuff. Yeah, basically. I mean, we're at the forefront of the emergence of a new technology, right? right we're at the right, right. a new way of doing these things. And that's not always super easy to implement, right? It's not right. always easy to go into existing systems that do work and say, hey, here's a better way. It's more efficient. It's more secure. Uh, you get a better result, right? You get, you get more fidelity of data and everything else out of this. But we have to change this system. We have to rebuild the way this thing works. We have to reimagine how this architecture stands and 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 how we implement it into the real world. Mm. And that's and that's a fun technical challenge, right? I mean, fun in the sense of you know I, I like doing that. Not fun in fun in the sense of hey, let's go do this on a weekend as a family. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting work. It's not play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have to be careful when you use the word play in in association to work. 
That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I got in trouble for that when I had a job in the Air Force. People would call me like very serious, like people that were very busy and, you know, they're captains or majors and they'd be like, hey, what's going on with XYZ? And I was like, yeah, I haven't had a chance to play with that yet. And they're like, you get to play at work. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I get what you're saying though. So let's let's like walk through uh, an ordinary, say, example and just talk about it a little bit. Like a good example, I think, of how this might work um, would be like me. I just I just went through a home sale. I sold a house in California and then moved to Vegas uh, last year. So uh, it was a big pain in the ass, right? And I had to pay a bunch of people I didn't want, really want to pay, right? Um, so how might that whole transaction, maybe not that one specifically, but something like a land deal or, you know, like a house sale, look different using your technology? Well, I mean, A, not necessarily our, our technology. Oh, in that blockchain sense, technology. Yeah. Blockchain in general. It right? just as an example. So, right. So essentially, we're distributing trust, right? We're decentralizing trust. We're moving away from those, those escrow agents and those title agents and those, and those people that you have to pay as middlemen to ensure that the transaction is going to be uh, real and and confiable, right? Okay. So and legal, system, right? And and legal, yes. Yeah. And legal, legal and, secure, and, you know, and right? Where do you? And then there's the question of where do you keep that data? Where do you? Who owns it? And when? Where do we store the information about who owns it and all those things? Right. So what the blockchain does is it creates an immutable ledger. So there's the base piece there where we can say there's an immutable ledger where we can track who owns what property. We can track property data and ownership and position and place and 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 you know state and everything else. And that's an immutable ledger, which means that all the previous transactions are known. Okay. So since the inception transaction, which we have to assume is confiable because right we don't actually know what happened before the initial transaction just like any ledger okay um, <laughs> right but if we if we assume the initial transaction is is confiable then we can assume the rest of the transactions in the chain are also because every transaction is linked to each other and they are immutable which means you can't go back and change any previous transaction if you want to oh, make a change okay. to the state of a piece of data inside the blockchain you have to create a new transaction which creates a new state of data across the entire blockchain okay so that so you're changing that uh that checksum basically yeah basically yeah the whole the whole the whole file will be a little bit bigger right you can't ever take away from it right okay all right so so that's all trying to dumb things down for me (laughs) (laughs) so it solves a bit of an issue there with title like right now i'm in a title dispute over a piece of land that i own in arizona because Mm. the title company said that there was legal access to the property based on xyz documents okay and every other title company and every other utility in the area says there's not legal access we can't actually build on this so now i'm in a fight against the initial title company using their insurance to fix the problems that they said yeah so there's a whole mess there right okay so the problem there is that the 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 chain of title is essentially broken for my piece of land. There's there's gaps in it, right? That there's okay. not actually documents that exist. So there's no record of what happened and when. There's just, here's a document that happened in 1976, mm. and then the next transaction is 1995, and everything in between that is gone. 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> right. There was a right? fire in the warehouse or something. There, there was, yeah, fire in the warehouse. Or there was an angry employee, or mm. there was something that it's happened just lost. In the middle it's, there. it's not findable anymore. Okay. And it's all gone. Right. right. There's, okay. no, there's no actual ledger, and there's no trackable record of what happened and when, and what is this connected to, and when was the last piece, and et cetera, mm. et cetera. Right, right. So wow. there's a lot of strength to an immutable ledger in these types of systems, right? Mm-hmm. Moving, who owns this car? Who owns this land? When right, did they right. get it? How did they get it? Can I trust that the person selling it to me owns it? Mm-hmm. There's a major piece there, and there's lots of middlemen that are making lots of money doing that piece right now. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that they're all going to lose their jobs, but... <laughs> <laughs> Well, like maybe they will, maybe they won't. I don't know. You know, uh, a lot yeah, of these yeah. times you start thinking they might, but you know, there's, there's reasons why there's middlemen, you know? Um, so who knows, you know, maybe the, the new system will have some new middlemen, right? I mean, who knows? I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> That's why yeah, I'm talking to you. It really depends on how you come to consensus on what the state of the blockchain is, right? Or mm. the state of the ledger that doesn't even necessarily right. Right. the blockchain in that sense. Yeah. Um, and then that gets us into the other pieces, right? So there are consensus algorithms about saying, you know, this is a distributed, decentralized piece. All of these, all of these actors have the same ledger, and they all maintain it, and that gives us a way to decentralize trust in the system. But they all have to have the same ledger. They all have to have the same snapshot of data at the very top of this chain. Interesting. In order yeah, to yeah, do right. That, you have to create a consensus among the group. In order to do that, you have to come up with algorithms that that create consensus among multiple disparate pieces and decide how is that how is that consensus made? Who can say which the, which is Who's the, the arbiter consensus? of yes, right. right? So you have you have all these sort of pieces that are in flux about you know how do we do this as well as possible? Mm. Mm-hmm. But the technology that you build to do that is useful in and of itself, right? So imagine you have a swarm of robots. I mean, a swarm. Imagine imagine you have 10 robots in a factory somewhere. Okay. And they're all getting instructions of, you know, I need to do this and I need to do that and this piece needs to go here and et cetera, et cetera. So how are you deciding which robot goes where and how are you deciding what has happened and what has taken place and how are you doing that without having constant race conditions and and re-entrancy problems and everything else and consensus algorithms like this and blockchains distributed blockchains among them uh, are really powerful in a situation like that because now you can say I'm not creating a central server and having to have every single one of these robots ping the central server to get the information of where it needs to go and what it needs to do. Instead, I'm distributing that computational uh, framework around the robots themselves and using a consensus algorithm to decide who's going to do what when based on you know w- w- multiple factors, who, where they are, and what they're capable of, and what their, what their current workload looks like, et cetera, mm. et cetera. Yeah. And, and that gives you, you know, I mean, then you're just spreading the information through essentially an ad hoc network using consensus algorithms and, a, and an immutable ledger to understand what's going on, what state are we at, what needs to be done, and, and who's the best to do it at this moment in time. Hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of power around the technologies themselves that are wide ranging, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're off blockchain discussion at this point you know but yeah <laughs> that's okay all come back together yeah 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 it's, it's, it's revolutionary pieces inside of this including right. it itself yeah 
Well, this, you know, when we started talking about this, it reminded me of a TV show. Not not that one, but another one, right? Uh, Deadwood. I, did you guys ever watch Deadwood? It's like this old HBO show. Maybe not. <laughs> well, you should because it's so. awesome. <laughs> I think I think I saw a couple. Of, wasn't it like he worked on a railroad? Um, and, you know, no, I'm not. There was was there a railroad? There was hints of railroad. Railroad was not a big feature of Deadwood. I, no, I must be. I must be thinking something I, else. You're thinking of Atlas Shrugs, maybe. Oh, well, I am a libertarian, so that's a bit, uh. <laughs> Well, Deadwood was about frontier, right? So there was this was like uh, frontier. I can't remember where they were, like Wyoming, out west somewhere. And it was Gold Rush. And, of course, it was all about um, is there going to be a state? Is there a territory? There's gold claims. And so it was very much about this who's holding title, um, what's going to happen when if we get swallowed by this state or that state are, are we going to be able to keep our claims and our titles so this goes back i mean the, what, what scares me the most about this idea when people think about disrupting these things is that there's very powerful entities involved right I mean, does that scare you guys at all that that you're kind of like swimming into a land potentially full of uh, very powerful large entities um, well, I mean, the, the, the reality is, is that we are looking to work with the very large entities right. who have <laughs> right. the desires to lower their costs sure. and improve their transparency and add a layer of security to their, to oh, their operations, yeah. right. right? And the, the reality is, is that there will be blockbusters and there will be Netflixes. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, our 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 focus is on working with the industry players, working with, uh, you know, government organizations, Good. working yeah. with the, the industries right. that are uh, with banks and with insurance companies and, right. and with logistics companies that are saying, look, the 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 people who play with these technologies back to that word play yeah. the people who play <laughs> with these technologies and the executives who take the time to understand what these technologies do and then take low risk testing on internal use cases and then can deploy that out to larger and larger scale those are the companies that are going to win the next round of the technological battle right and so right, right. we're really working to work work with those organizations and also, you know, we're actually finishing the development of a, of, of a product, a Lannister development product, where we actually go in from a consultation point of view and come into their organization and give a, a presentation about blockchain, about the use cases in their vertical, and actually take their executives through about a four-hour seminar where um, an organization can bring in their, you know, their executive team, their finance team, and get up to speed on what these things do and where they might impact their vertical and their industry and their business. And that, um, that's something that we have a lot of demand for. And so our team's you know, putting together the, the, the touches on that as literally as we speak. So let me, let me drop a bomb on you and ask you, um, either one of you can a answer this, as a potential use case for this technology, um, I worked at a bank in, in LA that was, uh, it was called DBS. So it's basically the government bank of Singapore. Okay. But they had to move money around, right? Internally, right? Um, and their in internal systems were um, a little, well, they're still, 
I know I don't know how they're doing security. To, to, you know, it's just like you, what you would think of as, um, you know, bank level security now. You know, with HTTPS and and all what we've got. You know, it's more secure than say like an elementary school school district. <laughs> Less <laughs> secure than the NSA and and uh, and top secret Air Force systems and things. So there was security, but uh, from from where I came from, it, the security was still like scary because there was a lot of weaknesses in just them moving their own money around. <laughs> you know, they had this like this printer that was plugged into like this computer and no, no, that's not what it was. It was a computer a printer plugged it directly into the network. Okay. And it would just like on a daily basis, transactions would flow through that printer and it was one of the guy's jobs to walk over to this locked room and and he was one of the only people that was authorized to go in there and grab those transactions off of that printer and that was essentially money coming from singapore (laughs) that's and then right i was like holy shit (laughs) from me you know being a not really super techie guy anymore um just my background i was like that's a little scary i mean does that scare you I mean, I don't want to put my money in that bank now that I've worked there. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Put my money in that bank either. <laughs> but that's how a lot of these systems work, right? We okay. talk about security, we talk about cryptography, but at the end of the day, people have to get stuff done. And yeah. a lot of times, systems go sideways. You know, you get you get a junior developer or something, and you tell them, "Hey, you know, we need to accept transactions from Singapore. Uh, they're gonna." send them over in this and that fashion using this sort of data stream using you know this this our, our network this, right it's a coming whatever. over our network and it's it's secured right yeah yeah and that junior developer writes a little piece of code that you know some computer somewhere on the network accepts that sort of data stream and says okay cool everything looks good and then you know i mean they don't actually write any tests or they don't actually see what happens inside the system they just click the button and start accepting transactions and <laughs> you know, printers printing out millions of dollars a day yeah crazy <laughs> yeah so that that sort of that that would have i mean even when you if you could use like a blockchain kind of based solution if that's the right way of saying it to do internal transactions that would be an improvement right there well yeah i mean yeah i i have no idea how that system right actually <laughs> yeah, yeah. so this is very very crude uh sure. crude analysis that's going to happen here but essentially yes because you're you're allowing the transaction of i i mean what what the blockchain does is really well inside of the cryptocurrency space and inside of the fintech space is allows very rapid peer-to-peer transactions, right? So you have things like the SWIFT network and all these other interbank networks that allow Mm -hmm. you to transfer funds between them and they're slow and they're, they're, you know, there are these monstrosities of... of They're just really, really old. They're old, yeah, Yeah. right? Like, you know, the banks went, hey, this is all digital, let's figure out how to use it in the 70s. And then, you know... (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) So, yeah, these these systems have the potential to add a... add a lot of power and efficiency and, and and security to the transactions that doesn't mean that some junior developer can't come along and break it <laughs> yeah somebody can break the system so yeah somebody from the inside can break a system absolutely and then suddenly your printer is printing out you know uh, crypto cryptographic hashes instead of instead of dollar signs or whatever right but 
but yeah, absolutely. And and there's a lot of banks and there's a lot of financial institutions looking at these technologies and and trying to see how they integrate them and how they use them because of problems like that, right? right. So if you give that Singapore bank, you know, here's here's access to our our blockchain network, which can be a private blockchain network just for a certain set of banks or credit unions mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Here's access to this. And here's the way that you transact money with or transact anything you want. Data, really. Mm-hmm. Money is just data at this point. Right. Here's how you transact with our system. That can become a very strong, very fast, very distributed trust system and, and lead, lend a lot of power to disrupting that sort of, that sort of framework, that sort of organization. Mm. The real issue comes in is that these things are are ad hoc technologies, right? They're peer-to-peer networks based on, you know, how many people can I connect to and what is the consensus at the moment, which really removes the middleman of, uh, I mean, not to get too far off here, but kind of removes the middleman of the bank itself, which is sort of the idea of Bitcoin, which is why it's so popular, right? Mm. You don't need a bank. I don't don't need to say, hey, please send that money to Bank of America so that I can go get it. Mm. No, it's, it's, hey, man, you know, hey, guy in Singapore send all the Bitcoin you want to my wallet and I now own it. Right. And nobody, you know, right, I mean, right. everybody who can view the public, public ledger knows that the transaction happened, but they don't actually know who the person in Singapore is unless they've attached their wallet ID to something else on the internet that shows their actual identification. Mm. And the same on my side, right? Huh. There's no middleman there that went and tracked it and said, okay, well, you know, this transaction was $9,900, and we feel that you did that twice in the month, so we're going to write up a report about that and send it to the federal government telling them that this is potentially, you know, shady transactions, and potentially you're trying to get around the reporting requirements for transferring money. Oh, right, right. No, there's, yeah. Right. There's none of that. There's there's nobody there. It doesn't matter how much you send or how fast you send it or, or why you sent it. And mm. that, that gives people a real sense of, of personal freedom, right? Like, this is, this is my money to start with. Why, you, you know, you know what I'm saying? Sure, sure, so, yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of disruptive pieces there that the, the banks and, and large governments and everyone else don't necessarily want to be implemented. And those are not <laughs> okay. the technologies I'm working on to be completely okay. clear right like, I'm, okay I'm not, yeah yeah right? i get that i'm not trying to subvert uh you know federal law about money transactions <laughs> yeah <laughs> good idea to say that yeah 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 <laughs> uh, nsa i know you're listening so uh yeah we don't want to do that well listen and you know we 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 decided to become a publicly traded company because of the scale of the market that we saw, the opportunity that we believe exists, but also because we wanted that differentiating factor. We wanted to be able to come to market and say, look, we're U.S.-based, we're we're Arizona-based, and we're already regulated. Look, we already have to, you know, answer to to FINRA. We already have to answer to OTC markets. We already have to do filings with the SEC. So we're, we're regulated. We're looking at operating in regulated environments, in regulated um, spaces, yeah. and we want to participate with those, not try to fight them at every corner. Right. Um, <clears throat> I get it. And we believe that there's a scaled win for the companies that come in and really work within existing regulatory frameworks to offer a better, faster, cheaper, more secure way of doing things. Yeah. That, that sounds like a win. No, for real. Um, because, you know, especially the way security is now, 
um, you know, it's with the more people that you have involved, you know, like as soon as it gets out of the computer, then that you've got another security risk. <laughs> we used to call it in the, uh, in the internet, we called it the sneaker, the sneaker net. You remember this? Did you ever, uh, you ever familiar with the sneaker net idea, Chris? No. No. The sneaker net was um, these two systems can't be connected, but uh, uh, they both have USB ports. <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, I will sneaker this over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like uh, physical security Correct. protocols that involve you know using yeah. a hot glue gun to seal up all the USB ports of the computer. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. So uh, we promised, and we only have about five minutes left. So uh, so talk a little bit about you being in the Air Force. and Because uh, I was in the Air Force. I, did, uh, I was a 3DO, um, or you might have known it as a 3AO. Um, mm-hmm. But my, my very first assignment, I got assigned to uh, Masawa Air Base Japan with the um, – what. It's now called Air Air Intelligence Agency. So there was like one and twos, one and fours, one and threes. Uh, they were all the NSA guys, um, mm-hmm. right? So you, are you familiar with that world? I know you were a one and O, so you probably didn't spend a lot of time with those folks, right? Yeah, not a ton of time. We did, um, yeah, more about uh, information <clears throat> collection and dissemination, right? So it was your job to like brief the wing commander like weekly or, you know, more often as necessary. Is that basically what you were doing? Kind of, yeah. So that was, uh, that's the overall job description, right, is is dissemination of the information is, is part of the key there. But what I actually ended up doing was much more on the collection side and then dissemination oh, really? through okay. through our 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 squadron itself and then we had other people who did a lot of the actual briefing and, and dissemination of the information to the correct units and correct people right um i i was stationed in beale california beale air force base sure uh, i know Beale. For the entirety of my air force career I literally never left never deployed we were deployed in garrison which means mm. that our deployment was to the building next to our building <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to deploy, dude. That's that's the best way to deploy. Yeah. Yeah. I got orders. So, I got deployment orders to uh, McDill Air Force Base, Florida. And I was like, woohoo. And then as soon as I got there, they sent me to Doha Cutter. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, I, I uh, it was, it was enjoyable but you know i i joined the air i love travel i joined the military i thought you know i'm gonna go like i put in to go to yeah. korea which was right, right. like if you want to leave the country put in to go to korea you'll be there for two years and then you can go anywhere yeah no well happen. the thing about the one and oh career field is it's you can literally it's like a 3a you can go anywhere everybody's got at least a couple of one and o's right yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they kept us. <laughs> they kept us there. I know. Well, that's the that's the tough thing. If you would have gotten an overseas assignment to begin with, it would have been better for you, especially yeah. like a, an Osan or a short tour kind of two year kind of thing. That would have been more fun for you. I get it. Yeah. My first, you know, my first assignment was overseas, and then I stayed overseas as much as possible. When I got sent to the states once, uh, I went to Tyndall uh, and Florida. And, um, 
not great. You know, <laughs> Florida. It's Florida. Well, it's hot. You know, it's hot it's, and muggy. It's Florida. It's hot, humid. It's hot actually and muggy. Yeah, and I was in uh, Tyndall. Is in like not the fun part of Florida, like the South, where everybody's like partying and naked, and it's like Cuba. No, I wasn't there. I was more like the um, they call it the Lower Alabama kind of. You still feel like it's more like you're in the South than like like the mm-hmm. the fun part. Not the retiree either part of florida but you know the fun part is like miami <laughs> yeah. right yeah the south southern end of the peninsula there correct is good yeah that's yeah. the fun part right that's the crazy part well this has been a blast so I, I i don't know if we we accomplished our mission but um we gave it a we gave it a whack <laughs> we we want to you guys we had, a, we had a fun time we had a fun time doing it either way yeah either way we we had some laughs right uh and you know we know that most people uh Actually, let's see. How can I say this without saying it? Um, we, we're aiming to be people who um, always pay their debts. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody say the URL one more time and we'll sign off. Uh, LannisterDevelopment.com. Also on Twitter, at LannisterNBDR, at LannisterDEV. I am at LannisterCEO. And we'd love to hear from any of your listeners that uh, just want to chat or learn more about blockchain. All right. I'm going to go play No Man's Sky. It's day two of the next update. I know you guys don't have time to play video games, but I'm retired. (laughs) 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 Have a good one, guys. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Thanks, man. Have a great day. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V-double-E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.